So welcome everyone. I'm pretty sure that I'm live right now. I'm not really sure whether Sean has got me on the big screen, but today I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, the brain and trauma and relationships. And I know that we've talked in the past about early attachment, like what kids need when they're little. So when they're little, we kind of look at like how I was corrected when I was a kid, whether or not, um, you know, I got love, I felt significant and important, um, whether or not I was known. And the other piece of that is kind of this download of our family history. So when we talk about trauma, trauma can last up to actually five generations. So the five generations, we can kind of pick it up in our body system. So we can start off our lives with kind of a nervous system that's kind of activated. And then let's say I get a download of maybe some of my parents' trauma. None of us get through life unscathed. So we all have a story. So some of the ways in my childhood when I didn't get those needs met or how my parents connected, what happened when my dad was triggered, what happened when my mom was triggered, end up being things that are kind of passed on to the next generation. So when we talk about that stuff, I want to talk more about the brain and how that works. So I say, you know, your trauma brain, let's say this is your trauma brain. Um, that's the back of your brain. It's kind of that part of your brain that goes into that fight, flight, freeze, fix. Those are the things that sort of get in the way of us being able to create safety, to be able to be more attached. You know, our frontal lobe of our brain, which I call the we brain, your wee brain has the capacity to have um, compassion, empathy, and to be accountable, to be able to say, you know, I'm sorry, or this is, you know, being able to kind of look at my behavior, right? So when we look at sort of a breakdown of relationship, one of the things I sort of talk about is sometimes we have a blind spot. So three of the things to look for when you've got sort of a blind spot around an issue in your relationship is the conflict is constant and it always feels the same. Two, your emotional reaction is too intense or out of proportion to what we seem to be sort of happening in this moment. Or my reaction is difficult to shift, right? So when we talk sort of about a trauma script, we go back to kind of the original pain. So let's say we're in a relationship and my partner is turned away. He's not sort of plugged into the relationship, you know, and the little girl inside of me feels activated, feels like I'm all alone, right? So if she scratches at her partner, that might activate his unworthiness. Maybe he was overcorrected as a child and it kind of makes him feel like, um, I'm never going to get it right with her, so I'm going to just kind of turn away. And we haven't learned to kind of turn toward the issue. The idea is I, I need to feel safe and I need to feel like you're here for me, right, in a relationship. So as a therapist, you know, I'm always kind of creating safety for to listen to people's sort of raw spots and the pain that they've experienced in their life. But I'm also not one of those counselors that just sort of allows people to be... Um, in their stuff and in their pain, but also to not be accountable, right? So we need to know that the way we adapted in our childhood is maladaptive now. So if I adapted by shutting down or maybe I adapted by getting mad, those adaptations in my relationship now are not going to serve me. 
So people don't always know what those are. When I call them your sort of like your core negative kind of patterns or identity. So all we need to take a look at is take a look at the things I didn't like about my dad. Okay, so how did my dad show up? Was he distant and kind of disengaged? Was he too mad or too intense or too rigid and strict? Okay, well, what about my mom? Was she too nice? Did she always give her power away? Was she, you know, addicted to drugs? Was she drinking? Like what was happening in that family system? What was the download that I was given, right? And so when I, when I always think from zero to about like seven, eight, around that age category, it was like we get a big bowl and we get all our parents' stuff, right? We don't go in with that idea of knowing this, but you know, our brain fully develops when we're about 25. And then we go into patterns. And I always say like, I want you to kind of recognize that we are drawn to partners who meet two conditions. Okay, because life is supposed to help us grow. So the one condition, and I'm gonna read it, is the, per the person's character is similar enough to that of one or both of our parents, that with this person, we can co-create our most familiar and most unresolved childhood drama. We pick people who can wound us, okay? But two, the person's character is dissimilar enough from that of our parents that with this person, the old drama carries with it the potential for a new and healing outcome. But healing happens in the fr frontal part of our brain. So that is kind of like, like I said, the we brain. It's compassionate. It's able to be empathetic. It can hold space for you and for me, right? And it can be accountable. And so often a counselor is the one that's creating sort of that safety. And sometimes when people come to a counselor, they start to learn more about their patterns, right? So if say those patterns are my dad's, then when I'm activated, how do I behave? You know, and I'm gonna behave in a way that's gonna activate my partner's patterns. And then we're gonna be like two kids in our trauma brains and really not knowing how to create safety. And that's when we sort of talk about too, I talk about grandiose versus shame. So where do we go in those positions? Sometimes people will both go up and be grandiose. Sometimes somebody will be grandiose and go down to shame, right? So all we need for shame is sort of a lot more withdrawal, um, resignation, kind of turning away. Right? When we're in grandiose, we're in blame, we're looking down on that person, and we, or we might be spraying anger. So if we're spraying anger, that's one of the biggest toxic things to do, is that we do need to know how to contain it, to be able to soothe ourselves, to take a break from the situation, because resolution only comes in a gentle startup. But the other piece of that is if you've got a partner that's withdrawn and not participating, then they've unplugged. So that's not, that's not gonna, that's probably one of the most toxic as well because people are not actually in the relationship. So when people withdraw because they haven't been able to find resolution, you usually see like passion drops, connection drops. Maybe we've got a purpose, maybe our purpose is to raise kids, but we haven't found our safe place to be able to be known. And maybe we didn't even do that in our family. Like 
what heals trauma is having at least one parent where we can actually be known. We can say to our parent, I don't like that. That made me mad or sad. And that parent would listen with some understanding and try and find um, brainstorm some ideas of how to do that differently, how to create safety so that kid can release feelings and talk about them. But if we hold it in, we hold anxiety in. And anxiety, you know, um, will fuel us, you know, kind of we're supposed to take charge of something, right? But if we're turning away from that, then that becomes an issue. So when I'm working with couples and I'm looking at all of this sort of dynamics, I'm also taking a look at if I've got a partner that's turned away and they're going to addiction, say they're going to food or sex or drugs or alcohol, <clears throat> they're going to something to numb out, then that's going to be a problem. I need to work with that kind of separately because the capacity for intimacy and being able to have an actual connected, more open healing relationship isn't going to work if we've got someone who's not plugged in to their own feelings or to another partner's feelings, right? It's just activating more woundedness, right? Because as children, sometimes we did have to abandon ourselves. You know, in the face of our parents' stuff, right? We That being known root, when I talked about early attachment, let's say I had a parent that was too corrective, and that being known root isn't going to work very well. So now I'm going to have anxiety. But, you know, all of us have some anxiety, right? It only becomes a problem when um, I feel danger is ahead. I was like, ah, I see takers. Or when I start to feel like I don't have the coping capacity to deal with this. So, so these no, sort of negative core patterns, we need to know how to sort of unwind that. Like if I was showing up in a way that was more vulnerable, that said, hey, like when you said that, I told myself that I wasn't important to you or, or you didn't love me. And then somebody was able to say, but I do love you and I want this to be better. And we're looking at sort of how do we make this better? And how do we have daily practices to kind of help us stay in a good zone? Because we can't just like, you know, people have to deal with their body system. So trauma is I talk about issues in the tissues, right? So not only do we have a trauma script, but we also hold trauma in our body system. So I would think like daily practice around healthy eating and structure. We heal better in a sort of soup of love, right? So if we're angry and sort of resentful, then we're not really um, having some boundaries or some compassion in our relationship. We're not sort of saying, hey, like we need to heal this and deal with these issues in the tissue. So moving your body, you need to actually be able to have some practices that move that energy because our bodies have memory. And so when we're triggered, we can actually feel it in our body system. And if we hold it in too much, our bodies can actually get inflammation and too much stress hormones because we're sort of holding back on our voice or we're feeling like powerless too often in our relationship. We don't know how to make a solution. So we can't control other people. We can only take care of ourselves and make choices based on being feeling good about me at the end of the day. So can I be known? Yeah, I have control over that. Can I be working out and exercising? Yeah. Can I be vulnerable? Yes. Um, do I know how to create safety? Well, we need to have two people that are willing to do that, right? But I can create safety for myself and boundaries for myself, right? So I always say, you know, like 
if there's some things that really aren't working in your relationship, you know, you need to fight for them. Don't just turn away with withdrawal. Come back in there and figure out how to make that better or to at least be known. And if not, then I have to do some radical acceptance. Can I live in a relationship that looks like this? And some people do. We kind of manage our stuff, right? Um, you see, you know, a certain percentage of people who are married that just rock it. But it takes work to get there to understand what our stuff is. Maybe they were lucky enough to live in a, maybe a family system that met a ton of their attachment needs. And but I don't know about you and me, but I've certainly had my own story. So I've had to work on me. Um, and so when we think about sort of all these things, we have to think about sort of other things that get in the way of relationship and connection. So one is always being right. Um, another one is controlling your partner, right? Another one is um, no verbal boundaries. We don't need to talk about every little thing, but we also need to not spray our anger on other people. Um, and retaliation, like um, not going back with passive aggressive kind of retaliation when we're resentful and, and withdrawal. Withdrawing from a relationship is not having a relationship. So um, we might be able to kind of co sort of live together, but we're not really connecting, right? And you know, the opposite of connection is addiction. So sometimes people are, are practicing addictive behaviors to soothe themselves. So I guess what I guess I'm saying is that trauma brain versus the frontal lobe of our brain, we need to be feeling that frontal lobe, you know, and that sort of helps in regards to um, having someone that's not judging us, that we can just be known, right? And we might do that with a counselor at first, kind of figure out that stuff. What's my download and how do I sort of counterbalance some of this, um, I say sort of patterns, they're hard to break. Um, we need to kind of get more conscious in our daily practice of life, right? Um, you know, for some people that daily practice is like soul care and having fun, but it's also about healthy practices and being able to hold our power. So men will say to me, you know, well, you know, she's just too much, so I just turn away. And I'm like, okay, so why don't you turn toward with some boundaries? Say, hey, I want to be able to listen to how you're feeling, but I need you to be gentle with me, right? I need you to um, not be so intense because intensity doesn't work. You know, like I said, um, change happens in attachment and a real gentle soup of being able to figure out what your stuff is and what my stuff is and how do we bring those things together and create an amazing relationship. Um, but part of that is, is, you know, intelligent people, I think, go to counseling, you know, either we're in so much pain and it has to change, but some people I have in my practice too have grown and have an amazing relationship and they just do their once a month, whether it's a zoom call or, you know, I have a couple that, you know, meet with me sort of from their cabin, um, once a month, I've got another couple that go to Mexico and they meet me in zoom once a month. It's just kind of one of those like, Hey, let's get together and have some conversations and see how we've done. Right. It's kind of like maintenance wherever we put energy and I say good energy, right? We need to be able to stay out of judgment, um, and create safety and to be there for the person that we care about um, to be able to get through some of this stuff and reprogram that trauma brain. 
because I think when we have a script, we're always seeing it from that place. We're on the lookout for abandonment. We're on the lookout for criticism. Um, we're on the lookout for someone stonewalling and shutting down. And um, all those things on the lookout for those things, our brains are trying to protect us, right? But when our brain feels safe, feels like, hey, I, I'm okay, I'm safe now, I can talk about this stuff, um, then it, it almost shifts something in our brain. We all of a sudden feel like we have more capacity, we're more open. We're not as walled off, but we're also not as like, um, not prepared to kind of overwhelm someone else. So um, that's my talk for today. This is kind of what I do. I talk about sort of trauma, like I said, the you and me brain versus the we brain and how we get to that place around attachment and me understanding people's stories. So I just kind of wanted people to know because there's a whole other circuit in your brain that goes to trauma versus goes to that frontal part of our brain. And that only happens with safety, safety and believing that someone's going to be there for you. So thanks, Shauna. That's my end of my Zoom today. Um, and uh, we'll leave you at that. And if you guys have any questions, my counseling practice is called Pure Insights Counseling. And please feel free to get a hold of me and um, we can do some work together if you're interested in counseling or you have someone you want to refer to me. Thanks very much. Bye.